Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay, so... We are officially live on Facebook uh, for Reflection Artist Live podcast. Uh, this is number 30 uh, with the man himself, David Patterson, uh, product manager with Overt Car Care. He's been in the industry for 11 plus years. He's ran his own detailing business. He's played a lot of different roles in the industry that have contributed big time uh, to the entirety of the industry. So want to welcome Dave Patterson from Obert Car Care for episode number 30 here on the Reflection Artist Live. And again, today is uh, May 26th. I had to think about that for a second. Still still left in yesterday's time for the 25th. But uh, yeah, May 26th. So Dave, thank you for being on. And uh, yeah, give us a little background on how you got started in the uh, wonderful world of detailing and where all that kind of transpired and evolved. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's cool to to chat, especially because we haven't really seen each other for the last year or so with events being gone and everything. But we've obviously met years ago. So it's um, kind of cool to be doing your podcast. And, and yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my my career got started in this industry by um, a little bit of luck, but I started collision repair. So um, when I got out of high school, I always loved cars. I was a car enthusiast. Um, I loved uh, modifying and building cars mainly. Um, and But when we were in high school, I, I had one friend who knew how to take care of his car, my buddy John, and he waxed his CRX. And I just thought it was amazing. I couldn't believe how good this car looked and all that, all that kind of stuff. So I always really liked the idea of detailing cars, even though I, I really didn't know too much about it, or I liked the idea of that gratification of your car looking really good. Um, when I got out of high school, I, um, I was originally going to school for something else. And I, across from where we were having classes was a collision repair program. Um, and I just kept watching everybody. When we had breaks, I would watch people and watch what they were doing outside because they'd have the doors open in the shop. And it was um, they had auto repair, but they also had a collision repair shop and that was down towards the end. And I just thought that that was really what I wanted to do. I, if I wanted to do anything, I wanted to work on cars and I wanted to get paid to do it because that's what I liked to do in general. Um, so I went to school for collision repair. Um, I graduated from a tech school um, in that program. And just like everybody else that goes to body shop school, I, I walked away um, thinking that you know, everything in buffing was a rotary buffer with uh, 3M waffle pads, you know, similar like that, which isn't, isn't a bad thing, but it's, no, it's uh, not uncommon. Traditional. Yeah. Very, very traditional. Um, and I had a chance to work in uh, a couple body shops. So while I was working in the body shops, um, I was, I was challenged with, you know, making enough money, um, being out of school and kind of jumping out and living on my own, doing those things. I, uh, I reached out and I ended up talking to one of the guys that I went to school with and I started wrenching on cars. Uh, I knew how to, how to work on cars, but um, he kind of just said, Hey, you come, come work with us. You know what you're doing. You're a smart guy. You're going to make some good money, whatever. And, and that was awesome. I mean, my, my mechanical career lasted for quite a few years. It was, 
the core reason why I stuck with automotive as a career, you know, because I, I could actually see the fruit of my labor at that point. Um, I, had, I was in my young twenties and I, and it was a good job. I, it bought me my first house. It bought me all my tools that I had. And, and I just thought it was fantastic. And then the culture inside the business changed and um, so did the pay that went along with it. So it was really difficult. Um, at that time, I had another really good friend that was detailing cars at a high volume Honda dealership. And uh, he would stop up because he was about a couple blocks away from me, my buddy, Derek. And he was making almost as much as I was making cleaning cars. And to me, I just thought that that was amazing because he would come up to the shop and I would just be sweaty and greasy and, and he just, he's looking fresh and, you know, maybe, maybe a little, little sweat coming down the forehead, but, but no, but he was clean, you know, he was, he was clean and he was able to work on cars and he was making really, really good money. Um, so at that time I almost took like a step back and I went to work for a dealership because, you know, my thought was that I could make as much money as he could, or, you know, it, it could be the path towards a different type of career, but still work on cars. So, um, I took a job with a Chrysler dealership and that was a big mistake. Um, not for the brand itself, but you know, you don't know what you don't know until it's too late. You know, it's a lot of, at least a lot of us in the industry, we learn from our poor mistakes, not from others' mistakes. Um, and and so at least that's what that, I see. That job with that specific uh, company, not even the brand, like you said, is still a different approach in their motto of what car care is and what they do in their detail department compared to your buddy at the Honda dealership. Correct. Yeah. So, so what he was doing was high volume, um, never had to polish a car really for the most part, um, where, where I went, they expected some polishing on almost every vehicle. The pricing was different. You know, everything was different on their model on, on how they detailed cars, but, but more than that was overlooking, um, their core business. And I think it's, it's kind of something that it plays in me today is looking through, the perception of what a brand or a business is and understanding like what their business model is or what their value is. Well, Honda has a lot of small cars. They have a lot of Honda Civics, Honda Accords, especially back in those days, everything yeah. was very, very small. Well, Chrysler wasn't that brand. Um, yeah. You know, their, their bread and butter was a Dodge Ram pickup trucks and their number one selling vehicle was the town and country Chrysler town and country or the Dodge. Oh, Caravan. so fun. so as you know you don't get paid a lot doing dealership cars and when you're doing a minivan that's been trashed by three kids for its whole life versus a honda civic that somebody commuted to work to um it just didn't equal out the same expectations that i had for work and pay but the one thing that it that it did is i made the jump and it was too late um i didn't have a choice um that that same person that that led me towards that direction kind of taught me a lot about interior detailing or for what, what they knew. And I taught them how to polish cars, even though they didn't necessarily need to do it as much. Um, but I, I taught them kind of how to buff. Um, they taught me how to interior detail. And then, you know, later down the line, we ended up working together in a detail department as well for a little while. But, you know, as much as it was probably one of the, the worst paying jobs that I had um, and the most challenging one to get through just in the, in the state of where I was with, in my age and my career and everything, um, it taught me the most, like, and it's really hard to like have those conversations with people that are in industry, especially ones that have made a little bit more money or a little bit farther along in their career and, and are looking to obtain some skills, you know, you can't really duplicate, ex, you know, just real world experience. 
And, no, you uh, can't put a dollar on that. That's the thing you may have sacrificed to pay, but you actually got paid in return on knowledge. And yeah, yeah. And, and I think our business is very, um, it's an unconscious skill, you know? So like, it's a lot of gut instincts. It's a lot of um, knowledge that it's hard to explain, right? You, you, you go through these experiences and it builds up to that unconscious thought process when you approach a car, when you see something that gives you that, that idea or that feeling that like, I know what I'm doing here. And um, while training is awesome, that's one of the things that you can't train. And it's one of the most important things too. So like when I tell people, especially with the evolution of the DA polisher, long throw polisher, you know, um, all the innovation that we've seen in, in the polishers, like, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's very, very challenging. Um, trying to think of the right way to say it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm at, I don't know. Just, lost well, it's having, you're having the track record to be able to get into that space of training definitely yeah. helps the, the person who's coming to you to seek that knowledge and, you've gone through as an individual trainer, whether it be you, me, or somebody else, the purpose of being a trainer is just so you have that track record of both the craft, some, you know, some are a good amount of business, but also going through the motions yourself to where you speak for your personal experience. Yeah. And these new detailers that come in and it's hard to tell because you say, well, I mean, honestly, some of these new people with those DA polishers, they can do 90% of what you and me can do, you know? So like nine out of 10 cars that, that they might put out of the shop, visually and what the customer gets in return their value is equal to or close to equal to what you or I can provide. But that 10% is where I think that the most of the value lies for, you know, higher end clients or for collector cars or just for the overall um, person looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that person that can do 90% of what you can do doesn't necessarily know why, you know, for anything, for anything, you know, like, why, why do you do this? Or why do you do it that way? Or why does it work that way? They might not know any of those things. They can provide something similar to you. They're not going to be able to identify something that's potentially dangerous for them or, you know, like a a risk. Um, They're not going to be able to uh, realistically evaluate that risk and reward um, to determine what's the best decision for them. So in turn, they make mistakes, you know, so those are really hard things to, to, to teach and training, but, but nonetheless, I, you know, I, I did the dealership thing for years and um i just decided that i was going to open up a detail shop and that's what i wanted to do um i really didn't have a lot of skills i, I didn't want to go wrench on cars again um i i didn't want to go detail at another shop again i wanted to be able to provide you know for my family or, or build a family i had already owned a home so at this time you know at this point i i had a career that i did really well with now i'm struggling to you know to pay my bills a little bit um, so I really had to put some things together and figure out what I was doing with myself. Um, so I, I opened up a retail shop. Um, it happened to be right behind a, a small independent Ferrari uh, repair shop, which was very helpful in the nice. long run. Yeah. And I started, I started detailing cars and, and I love it because I was so uneducated and I was um, clueless, but at the same time I had, I had my vision already set. So I just, I just remember, you know, nobody ever like put me down. Nobody said, you're not going to do this, you know, but you know, it's just like type of things where you tell your friends, you tell your, tell your family and they look at you and you can just tell by looking their face, you know, yeah. like, they don't know them long enough what that look is. Yeah. It's either <laughs> blank or it's, it's, it's not good. You know what I mean? But, um, 
so it's hard to stomach that and, and, you know, but, but at the same time you respect them for at least being able to hold that, that much and just say, don't do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so always had the support, but you know, you could kind of have a feeling like people didn't necessarily think it was going to work and, or, or how that was really going to play out. And, you know, look at, you know, 10 years, 11 yeah. years later, well, the era, right. My the whole era that, that yeah. 2000, say nine to two or 2008 to 2012 timeframe. You tell somebody you go into detail, like, really, that's what you're going to do. You're going to go wash cars. I mean, that was the mindset, right? Because detailers weren't known to make a lot of money either during that time frame. So, yeah. And and the, the traditional American way is, you know, go to school, graduate college, become something, make a career. Little did people know that obviously detailing has a lot of career opportunities depending upon the angle you want to spin it. And that's where I think people would just like, hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was never the smartest guy in the world. I've been I've been blessed to have the opportunities to increase my knowledge and 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 become valuable but like I, you know for me it was just a, a physical labor thing and and i'm thankful for it because it, it taught me work ethic you know yes. work ethics and and um maybe not the way that i mean <laughs> i wanted to it just, some of it was horrible but, but you know I, I i'm i'm proud of the, those things that i had to do you know I'm, I'm proud of the work ethic that i had in order to get to that point because i didn't have I didn't have the knowledge, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the smarts to do it. Um, so like everything, almost everything that I've ever gotten has been based on that and, and just showing anybody the same respect, you know, high or low or in the middle, um, that, that type of basis, hard work and just in respecting people has been how I've gotten to where I'm at. So I, I always like, I, I really value those things. And I think it's really, really important Although I would have never done it the same way. We don't have a choice now. You've already done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So I, I started the detail shop. Um I had one one client that I met at Cars and Car. Actually, no, I met him through a friend. Um I was into modified cars. Honda stuff has always been my bread and butter. Um I always loved all types of cars. Um, but I was always just like a, a, a little Honda guy and, and modified Your my personal car. favorite was that. Yeah. 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 So we ended up meeting a guy who was a collector. Um, he had a number of cars, you know, some Porsche stuff, some Ferrari stuff, uh, old, old, old Ford stuff, old, I mean, all, all sorts of stuff. Not, not a ton of cars, maybe, maybe six to 10 roughly at any given time, but it was my, it was the doors opening into that world for me. Um, in Milwaukee or in this area, like surprisingly, even now it's, it's starting to, to grow significantly, but you know, in 2010 and 2009, the type of detailing that we did didn't exist. So like, even in Florida, it might've been like, it's just starting to like really be popping it and really be starting to become well-known. It was known amongst detailers, but like the average everyday person didn't really understand it. No. So I hit it at a good time. Um, my detail shop grew really fast um, like most detail shops, I didn't have a lot of business experience. So I failed miserably. Um, not only that, but my mom had some health issues during the time. So I was just emotionally and, and mentally, I was struggling. The business was growing. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to manage employees. Um, I ruined some relationships that were very, very, very important to me. And, um, those things are, life lessons that I, I never let go. And I, I still think about them to this day. I mean, they're, they're people that I never intended to, 
do wrong or hurt, but I, I inevitably did it to him because of my lack of skills. Um, so my shop grew really fast. I had a couple employees, uh, all, some, all that kind of stuff kind of happened at the same time. And I dialed it back to just, um, one employee. And then eventually, um, I got offered a position with Lake country. They're local to us. Um, oh. oddly. Yeah. The weirdest part about it is the, the same guy that, um, had gotten me into, uh, mechanical repair and gotten me my first job, um, that kind of propelled my career was the same person that reached out to me about Lake country. And did he, he said, work for Lake country? No, he didn't, but he had some relationships back and forth and, and between one other person and just said, Hey, are you familiar with this company? I think you'd be a really good fit to go work for them. I was like, yeah, man, I use all their product in our shop. And then, you know, within two weeks, um, I jumped on board with them and I was in the process of closing my detail business. So my retail business was only open for about, you know, a little over three years um, three and a half years or so, um, some really, some really good highs, some really bad lows and, um, life experiences. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to work for them, but I'm also thankful for my wife too. I mean, she wanted to have children. She was never really excited about me opening my business in the first place. Um, just the, her being unsure about it. And, um, so, it was the right timing. It, it gave me the opportunity to kind of just take a step back, um, really soak in all those things, those, those learning lessons, um, at the same time, get a good, good paying job, start to have my family. And, um, I never thought that the opportunity with Lake country would propel me even farther, you know, like, yeah. um, I just thought it was a great, great situation. Um, now your position that you got, uh, when you got hired with Lake Country, did obviously over time, did that change gradually? Yeah. I mean, I originally I got hired for sales and I, I was so nervous going in there because I, I wasn't, I wasn't in sales. You know, I didn't do a professional sales job. I had sold my services. And yeah. even at, even at that, you know, like for my confidence level, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I've only sold my services so well, otherwise I wouldn't even <laughs> be considering this job. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a, a mind twist there, but um, I got a job, entry-level job for sales, kind of a technical sales role. And, and that's how I really looked at it. I didn't, I didn't have those hardcore sales techniques, those sales skills, um, that type of mental process. So I, I sold off of what I knew and how I could do it for the time being as I kind of developed how to implement those skills and then determined that I liked the way that I was going about it. Um, I had plenty of mistakes. I corrected a lot of things, but um, I liked the angle that I approached it from, you know, I, I, I felt like I was successful without being pushy, without, um, overselling things, um, selling on real value and yeah. connecting that customer or consumer to that value to build that relationship, whether it was just like on a personal level or whether it was a business level, or it was uh, a relationship to using that product in their shop or whatever that, yeah. whatever that level of relationship was like it was sold off of something that was real. It was developed off of something that was real. Um, it wasn't just, uh, I want to try to get, get you to use this. And then I'm, yeah, no, you, you were right. I mean, connecting the people to that value. I mean, that's, that's key, right? You're not, you're not selling it. You're just, you're presenting what the benefits are. So they're educated on what it is that you're presenting, obviously. So it's not necessarily a pitch or sales pitch, but you're also making sure that that is the right fit for them in aspect of saying, Hey, this is the value of what we have to offer. Well, and what I didn't, yeah. And what I didn't know is that I was, I was using 
a sales technique or I was using techniques that were, that were helpful. And I, I just really didn't know it. You know, I just, we were, we were giving people the why, you know, yeah. or, or I was, or we were, um, we were selling off of why you would want to use this product. And, and even then at the time, I didn't realize what I was doing. I've always been the type of person, well, if you sell a good product, you know, it's going to be good, you know, like, and the reality of it is that it's so much more than that. Um, it's hard to understand that until you really see how it all relates. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, people make buying decisions and they purchase things based on why, you know, yeah. they don't, their quality is always going to be a concern. I mean, quality is always a, a valid part to an item that somebody buys or, or anything, but people will have a better understanding, a better connection to why you do it or why they would want to use it or why it's the right fit. All of those things, all, they're all wise. And those are the things that people really, really want to buy from mentally. Like they, if they're the unconscious things that they cannot fight against, those are the things that make the decisions for them that they are not, you know, openly thinking about, like they don't, they don't consciously understand that they're processing that way. So they don't have a choice. Like, but those are the things I didn't know that at the time I was just basing it off of like, well, there's a lot of good pads out there. You know, there's, why would you want to use this? Not because it's, it's cute, you know, or like, um, so we were doing it in, in that type of way. And, and through that, it grew into transitioning to a, a product manager role. Um, we were developing product as we, you know, kind of came out with it. Lake Country is a, a family-owned business, phenomenal business and, and company. And they've, I'm, I'm thankful I was part of that growth. There was, there was a couple of growth phases throughout their career. And um, so you were very growing. instrumental on a lot of product development and things of that nature i didn't know it at the time but yeah and and i think it was part of it was timing you know part of it was a little bit of luck and part of it was just luck lucky on my side too of concepts and ideas that ended up um, being able to be quantified or ended up working um and it was a way to help push us forward so it was kind of a weird role i was selling products trying to develop products um lake country manufacturing is a manufacturing brand you know they're they're a manufacturing company they weren't necessarily um very well branded, you know, like a good brand. Um, so we, I was thankful to be a part of that. I got to learn a lot of stuff through it and I, I was able to hopefully, um, be a part of them learning and, and part of their growth as well. So it was, a, it was an equal balance. I, I hope that that's the case. Um, cause they've been instrumental in my growth, not only on a professional level, but personal, um, and, and just in the industry, like on a product knowledge level, I wouldn't know you know, fraction well, you, of those things. You did a lot of the, the uh, uh, customer support too, where you were answering emails and I'm sure you got bombarded with all kinds of crazy questions and scenarios that, you know, that not only did you probably know the answer because they repeated themselves, but, you know, seeked out to find the right answer amongst your network of either Lake Country, the employees of who had been there or some of the detail friends that you developed relationships with as well. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I did a lot of tech calls. Um, that, you know, those, those things are challenging too, because as you grow in your career or, you know, what, um, not in what you get paid, but even in the value that you provide to that, to the company that you work for and mm-hmm. what they need you to do, um, it can be challenging because those types of conversations are so great for building business and building customer base and building relationships. And, and I actually really like that stuff because yeah. 
I, I feel like you can get off the phone with somebody and, and you can just, you know, that like just the lights started going off in their head and there's no replacing that type of conversation, but um, maybe the amount of time that you spent talking to them didn't provide that value to Lake country yeah. or to the, to the company or whatever. So those are things to balance and they're challenging. Yeah. But um, when they see you at an event, they're like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And they yeah. fall in love with the brand that you represent that much more for that reason. Yeah. I, and those are a lot of the reasons I do it for, you know, like not necessarily for the brand thing, but like, I like the feeling of giving back, you know, especially struggling in my business and tours and not having versus, you know, like, um, I just, I just love being able to give back and pushing that, you know, cause even the people that are there, they, they just might have a challenge of asking, you know, like, um, maybe they're uncomfortable or they, they just have a hard time communicating. And, but either way, like, I, I like that reaction. I like, I like being able to help people. Like that's the number one thing I enjoy helping people. I think is, yeah. is one of my things. And that's, that's where I would want to lead into, like, talk about some of the events and some of the things, you know, you know, this is a lot of it, of course, because you did spend a long period of time with, and uh, as an employee for Lake country, but the events that you established during this time, you know, is I, I met you at, detail fest i think it's 2014 that's where we met and yeah. then we went into barrett jackson but you have tons of things underneath your belt besides from that yeah it's kind of hard to say i mean without kind of going back so yeah we met after um yeah we met probably one of the second first second years with lake country yeah that was man that was a great detail fest too that was the that was that was outside had the fairground feeling i mean Hopefully yeah. that will be something that will come back around. <laughs> that, that really was something. Um, I remember going to that event to be honest with you. And, and I just, I was blown away. Um, and I always thought about what it'd be great to have that back again. And, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't auto geeks fault. They, the next couple of years got rained out, you know, and then just the whole structure changed with, um, you know, with some of the changes with auto geek and everything where we couldn't, couldn't have that at the same location. So then it changed the whole feel of everything, but, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was amazing. I mean, there were so many people pushed through that tent. Um, weather was good. <laughs> you got food trucks. It, it was just, a you're really sweating, good but you're enjoying yeah. it. You're smiling. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, that was really awesome. Yeah. So we met there and then um, I got a chance to do bear Jackson's a couple of them. And that's where we really, you know, kind of kicked it off and met. Um, that was a good experience for me. Some, some pretty tough times, you know, like, I think everybody felt the same. You'd walk, you'd leave the event and, and feel like, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't want to do that again. And then any you know, the opportunity to come up again, be like, all right, I'm in. I want to see. Yeah, a first. week passes. Then you're like, you know what? I kind of miss it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and it really doesn't get bad until like, you know, two thirds of the, the week's over with when everybody's kind of lost sleep and, and um, they, everybody's <laughs> lost their patience a little bit, but, and then you remember how, how awesome it is and you want to jump back. But yeah, we, we had a good time doing that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, opportunities just kind of come about um, in different things. So one of the people that we detailed with at Barrett Jackson um, started to detail for uh, Gooding and Gooding Company. Auction. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's um, that's one of the other events that we started doing. And well, and um, 
Mecham auctions. So I didn't do a lot of the Mecham's. I've only done a couple of those, but some of the same people that we, that we worked with on Barrett Jackson started doing some Mecham auctions. And then Andrew at ABS detail um, currently is the detailer for Gooding and company auction, um, which is the, the high-end concourse cars and stuff like that for the most part. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing that. Andrew's a good dude. He is a really good dude and um, kind of underrated. He kind of hides out in California. A lot of people don't see him because he's not big on social media and stuff like that, but his business has continually grown over the last couple of years and he's been doing really well, still doing Gooding and, Gooding and Company auction. Um, and that kind of happened the first year that I went to Pebble or Monterey. Um, we did a training with Monster Detailing uh, in Santiago, Chile. And there was uh, Bob Eichelberg, who's now with LC Power Tools, but Bob from Flex, um, mm-hmm. Bob Phillips from PNS, and um, and Alan from Monster Detailing, and well, and Dietrich Lazy, Mr. Meatball, Mr. Meatball. Uh, yeah, but I was, I was just we were just chatting about it, and I said, you know, I I really want to go out to Monterey. I'd love to, I'd love to get out there, and, and Bob's like, you you should come. Like I'll I have you come out. So Bob is. Bob is the reason that I had any opportunity to do anything at Monterey because it's the reason why I went, you know, and it was just like, we can have you come out for one day and, and help us out with the mafia. And I was like, are you sure, man? Like, I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm, I'm honored. I, I'm not saying it like that, but are you sure that you want me in, in the group of your guys that are your team? You know, like, I just didn't know how that, how that was, but he invited me out, man. I had an awesome time. Um, I, it was a really, really, really cool experience. I think that was the one year you weren't there. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really neat. I didn't get the, the full benefit of it cause I was a little tired, but, um, but yeah, so, so Bob invited me out for out, out for one day and I said, okay, well, if I'm going to go out there for one day, I got to try to make it worth my time. Um, so I reached out to a couple other people and, um, we went out and detailed cars with Scott Nichols and, and my nice. buddy Connor. Yeah. Yep. So we had a few different cars that mostly Scott had prepped ahead of time. Some of them needed a little bit more work that were flown in from Italy. And um, he handled some super duper high level. Super high. Yeah. Level. yeah like, <laughs> All the way down to the nuts and bolts, literally. It, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to even explain because there's only so many customers like that. And, but that's, that's Scott's a lot of Scott's customer base, at least on his level. Um, now he's doing a little bit more everyday work and he's got some people working for him that can help him do that type of stuff. But Scott is uh, a highly respected and desired detailer among that crowd. Um, but yeah, so we did a few cars out there with Scott and that was kind of the first opportunity. I mean, we had a blast. Like I had fun, I had fun with Scott and then it was Connor Harrison for who's met local Madison CH detailing um, Nick Oaks, uh, man lung. I mean, man's awesome. So we just had this awesome week and I just kind of said, oh, I want to do that. I want to try to do that regularly so um we started doing the gooding company auction after that year because andrew was out there he said dude you should come you should come do this so we we started doing that Uh, this year is actually going to be um the first year that i have my own car going to pebble beach oh Um, wow nice. yeah 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 it's um 30 i believe it's a 37 peugeot um it was found in sussex england about 10 years ago i believe seven years ago it was shipped to the United States and it's been going through its restoration process ever since it's kind of a baby blue or a um, bluebird eggshell color it's kind of a a really neat car so hopefully I'll be uh, finishing that off with the 
a Concord restoration company and then going with that and then hopefully participating in good company auction because that'll be the first one that they have that's coming back. Um, so yeah, those things kind of all stemmed out of, uh, you know, some of these cars and um, doing that. I'm trying to think what. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, the overall big picture to a lot of this too, is that, you know, you've been able to be in the field and do these events that are well-recognized amongst yeah. consumers and professionals, but be able to get there and be in the inner workings of how all this stuff goes down and get the experience, you know, and that just overall added value to you, who you were, and of course, who you're working with at the time, being Lake Country, just to be a very, very knowledgeable guy and that seeked out to when a question they want to ask Dave. They don't want to ask anybody yeah. else. They want to yeah, ask yeah, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is so weird. I mean, it, it is very odd, you know, especially from, you know, my background is just, it's hard to kind of comprehend that stuff, but I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And, and I hope that I provide that value that people expect from me. That's the biggest part, you know, I don't want to let anybody down when they, when they feel like they're getting something out of it, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Lake country has been the big push for me to maybe meet a lot of these people. Um, obviously some of the different things I've done have helped, you know, develop those things as well. Um, same thing with hot rods, you know, like we do, I've, I pretty much do all the cars for ring brothers. Now um, that was a, somebody that I met just through, I mean, it was kind of through Lake Country, through work. I met one of their engineers, um, and we had talked about some different things just regarding foam in general. And um, I just casually mentioned, I said, hey, like, I love you guys' cars. I'm local, just so you know. If you ever need any help or whatever, just let me know. And the first year, we had the opportunity to do that uh, blue Camaro that was on Jay Leno's garage. And... And Mike Ring kept coming back. He's like, man, I can't believe how good this thing looks. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, it looked good when it started. Like, I'm just tweaking it a little bit. He's like, no, no, this looks great. And, and ever since then, I've been back. And um, they've just kind of grown grown some of those things. And that's kind of stemmed into some of the new glossy yeah. things that we've been doing. Um, so, yeah, it all kind of ties together. I mean, you just if you do it out of passion, if you do it out of love and you do it, um, obviously, everybody's got to make money, but if you if you don't make that your primary concern and, and you do it for other reasons, but it's providing that lifestyle for you, it usually all comes together. It, it does. Just, it has almost every single time for me, even when I thought that it wasn't. It just sometimes you got to turn the opportunities down because it's just yeah. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, if you're doing it naturally, then other everything else will follow. That's mm -hmm. kind of a byproduct to that, right? <laughs> yeah very weird so so with yeah, well. everything going on with like country and at what point in time did did you feel this transition between you know you know going to oberk from from lake country yeah so there's i help a lot of brands you know i did um i still i still do oddly enough. that but, i understand um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I help a lot of other brands um whether it's helping them develop a pad line or testing out products and trying to figure things out or proposing products or, or whatever that is. But, um, you know, a large portion of pad business, regardless of the brand is, um, private label. So, you know, even, you know, Buff and Shine Lake Country, everybody's got their brand themselves, but you know, if you think about it on, on the overall level, even in the United States, there's only so many, manufacturers of buffing pads right so um a lot of brands work with these people to 
fit that fill their need you know like there's not really a need for most of these car care brands to manufacture buffing pads there there would be no money in it um so i i do always think it's kind of funny when people like oh that's just a that's just a buff and shine pad or that's just a lake country pad it's like you know there's a rare instance where it might be very similar or almost the same but like a lot of the stuff's custom a lot of it's a custom color a lot of it's a little bit different and like I don't think people really understand that as much as they probably should. Um, well, they, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people that are in the industry that know the, a lot of the inner work and just the two biggest and major manufacturers is Buff and John and Lake country. Yeah. But yeah, is there a source to that? Possibly. But like you said, it's been tweaked just like the, you know, blending companies, they may blend for 20 different companies, but their formulations are recipes. Those recipes get tweaked for that individual based on their demands or the demands that match their product for the end user, whatever it may be. Yeah. And when, and when you're building these products, whether it's for your brand or for somebody else's brand, you know, there's levels to everything, you know, just like the detailing services that you offer or whatever, there's levels of customization, you know, like, well, this is how much this costs, or this is how much volume you have to commit to, or this is, you know, these are the necessities in order to develop what it is. So some people might be relatively entry level or not uh, not a main focus for their brand, and they're willing to sell something that is identical and and have it branded as their own, so that it at least falls in line with their products. You know, other brands, it's a big focus of their brand, and they they want to have something that's very unique, and custom, and that obviously requires a lot more yeah. commitment than than the other side. So, um, but either the, either way, they the majority of their stuff is private label. So I work with all these different brands. Um, Oberk was a local brand. Um, so I, I helped develop with their liquids at the time. Um, when we were developing the pad line, um, almost everything in our product line is, is proprietary unique to Oberk. Um, so we did spend some time, you know, developing those, those pads and things like that. Um, just a really good company, local company, small company, um, really good with, uh, marketing and, and, uh, ad creation and, and graphic arts and stuff like that. My business partner, Chris, that's his main, that's his main thing. He's worked with some really big brands on a and high level known him for a long time too. Yeah. Back towards high school. Um, we were, we had some mutual friends and, and we were car guys and that's how we kind of originally met. Um, cool. and then we, we just reconnected, you know, at, at some point there. So, you know, Chris is, Chris is, a very, very skilled guy on, on multiple levels. So I, I feel like that's like something that needs to be said um, just because sometimes it sounds like he's just a marketing guy or that's how I talk about him because I'm so amazed that like his skills in that area. So like he started with graphic design. That's all, that's his deal. Wow. Um, so it was just kind of a, a, a person that is a way different than me um, that offers a lot of different value and um, just an, an opportunity to, to be part of that company more than an employee. Um, Especially with so much potential growth with you guys at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I made the decision to jump and it was probably the scariest thing I ever, that I'd ever done. I'd, I never planned to leave Lake country. Um, I thought that I'd retire there. Um, so this puts you out of your comfort zone to say. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. And thankfully Jay over there and the team was very, very supportive they feel very comfortable and, and helped me transition, which was very, very helpful. 
Um, and, and we still have a relationship, you know, I, I still talk to them. I, I don't, I don't currently do any work with them or, or, you know, do anything with them anymore. Um, but who knows, you know, maybe there's an opportunity in the future to, to help them, uh, test products or develop products just, but for right now, um, I try to stop in and say hi here and there. And, um, they're about half an hour away from, from my office in my home. And, and I still talk to stock, talk to some people there once in a while. So, yeah. um, we've been, I've been full-time now for like three months or so. Um, and everything's been really, really good. Um, and big difference. What you guys offer now you have in your, as far as product lineup for Ober, you have, yep. you have the, the compound, the polish, and then you have three, three pads. Am I correct? That's basically yeah. the whole system at this point. That's where currently. Yeah. We, we added a fourth pad. We added the, the wool pad for rotary use. Um, but yeah, it's the whole idea for our polishing system is, um, that it's easy to use, that it works on almost anything. Um, and I think for, for me, it, it, I'm sure you can understand this because you've been in it for a long time. Once you get to a certain level of knowledge in our industry or, or for polishing specifically, you kind of forget how difficult it was in the beginning and like how confusing the colors can be and, and how frustrating it is to not get the results that you want. So, so really the, the goal of it was to simplify it um, offer kind of a streamlined process, not just for those entry-level users, um, because the product quality is professional level, um, but for those professionals that want to grow their business too, you know, like, you know, as a mafia member and, and, um, and working with Rennie a lot that from, from my perspective, not being in the detail mafia or taking his training course, like I think Rennie's value and, and business knowledge is just huge and, and how that reflects in it. And that's, that's kind of how I think about it a little bit. Yeah, makes you double think your product and your process, so it works for you, not against you, and effective, efficient, all those good things that kind of make you step back and be like, okay, what am I doing here? Well, and then when you're ready to grow your business, so you know, like Rennie offers that 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 value for these people that can structure them. I mean, you and I know that most detailers are they're lacking business skills for the most part, so yeah, it's the same kind of concept, it just in a very very simple form. It's easy for the people to learn on the front end, but it's easy to make a standard operating procedure and duplicate for your employees to, to maximize your growth and be able to scale your business so that you're, we're operating a real business. Yes. Um, the things that people overlook and that, so most people would be like, oh, that's, it's just a buffing pad. But like, well, that's our why, you know, like, so the product quality is there. It's not like we said, well, that's more important than the product quality is. No, that's not it. The product quality is still there. You know, our, our goal is simple scalable, profitable, and to fill in all the things that the average detailer doesn't think about how it benefits them when they start their business, because they're not a real business person at that point. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of our why. And then we added the wool pad. Um, we just felt like it was a, a good opportunity for rotary for, for those people that are, that are jumping in. Yep. Um, we do a silk, silk and wool blend um, for a number of reasons. We don't need to dive into that type of stuff but um closes the gap though for those who want it and or need it you have that for them yeah yeah and we got some exciting new products coming too um we're gonna do kind of like what we did with our polishes we've been developing um aluminum polishes they're they're metal polishes but mm -hmm. um we've developed a, a three three paste system uh aggressive medium and, and light for all types of aluminum polishing so you can do 
airstreams or you can do airplanes um, it is uh, certified for aircraft use um, so we can use it on on aircrafts and and that'll be a, a complementing abrasive line to our current current offering and we'll we'll try to simplify that right now we're just going to launch that program as the metal polishes as we kind of develop the the system, as you know, metal polishing is kind of weird. So it's not like you yeah. just come out with a pad line and say, here's, no. here's how you do it. <laughs> That's probably the most difficult space. You know, paint correction is one thing, right? But yeah. when it comes to metal polishing and aluminum, that's a whole nother realm. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. So I think what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to launch the product for people that want to dive into it and that people that maybe know how to use, know how to polish aluminum or want to buy aluminum polishes and, and start to work with it as we kind of develop like, how do we want that to look and how are we going to market that, you know, to, to what type of a user? So um, that's the hardest part with everything, just because most people say, well, well, you just, you just offer it and people will call you, explain it, whatever we can do that. But that's not like, that's not our business. Like our business is to try to simplify it so that you, you get it like, and it makes sense. So if we can't make it make sense, well, it'll, It'll just won't be there until we're ready. Um, so we're excited about that. We've got a couple of new protection products that are in the works that are, um, you know, we're not diving into the ceramic game. That's not our deal. Um, but we will, up. yeah, we will have complementary products. So we're going to do, you know, sealants, um, SIO2 bases and stuff like that. Um, toppers, um, things that will, that can be used alongside some of the great ceramic products that we use, but, you know, that's not our expertise. So it's not really no. where we want to dive into. Um, but you'll have an option and it will be relevant chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be compatible chemistry for almost everything that's out there for topper stuff. And then great awesome. standalone products for, um, for entry level um, protection or for uh, production work, stuff like that. But really cool products. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to launch some of those. That's awesome. And what I, what I like, and I give you guys credit most on is, and I'm not towards the industry. I got to figure out how to word this. Yeah. I, don't wanna, I don't want anybody to get upset, Not you know, any other manufacturers say, but here's the thing. You released the compound and polish that were successful right out the gate. And there's still a lot of struggle with a lot of major brands that can't dial in their compounds and polishes to be that successful. And it just, it, so I have to give you guys credit on being able to out the gate, produce something that is, is successful, is respected amongst detailers who, you know, do get it in their hands to get the, you know, test drive to say the products and understand that, you know, these, you know, with you guys being a, how old is Oberk now? I started in 2018. So yeah, we're going on. A couple of years way. old on top of a pandemic and being able to crush it in that, that category of liquid abrasives right out the gate. It says a lot because there's still a lot out there that have been around that are legacy brands that just haven't quite quite got it dialed in. And that's yeah, not no, to throw shade at anybody, but that's just facts. Yeah, no, that makes that I really appreciate that's super kind words. And um, and I think that we we got the product, you know, like the, the quality and and the what it does is there because we use it and we understand it. I think that's huge. But for me, it just um, solidifies kind of what we were talking about before, like why we do it, why we structure it the way it does. And I think as much as the product quality is there, um, I think, I feel like a lot of that is, is that, um, I think that it's not just that it provides the finished result. It's that the people that are using it 
find value in it in their business. It works for how they, how they like to polish. Not everybody likes to polish the way our system is set up. So, you know, it's not going to work for everybody, but it works for the large majority of people and the people that use it, 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 they, they like it, they get the result. And we, we look at that by data too. Right. So like, um, we want to have a healthy percentage of return customer rate and understanding like how people buy, if they're buying again, it means that they, that we're, we're doing the right thing. So like we're, we're structuring it the right way. Um, because once that person uses that product, they get the result, they like how it works and then they buy back again and they, they're, they're a, a loyal customer. So we, we just kind of monitor that because that'll tell us, if something's wrong, you know, like in the buffing pad industry, let's say a buffing pad costs six to $15, just roughly. If somebody has a problem with that buffing pad, I mean, me personally, and, and probably most people I know, nine out of 10 people are just going to throw the pad away. They're not going to call, you know, uh, most people's time is worth more than a $6, $7 pad to sit on the phone and try to tell somebody at the company that they have a bad product and that you want it replaced. And it just, it doesn't make sense for the most part. So you have to look, you know, if you're not paying attention, you might be missing the mark just because yeah. people don't want to tell you. Yeah. They just discredit it out the gate and they don't give it the chance. And there's, there's variables to that, right. On how it's used, how many, I mean, so many questions, right. On why did they do that? Whether it be a pad or a liquid. Yep. Yep. And, and I think it, it also, it, it's proved the point that, there's a lot of confusion. So what we did is not any different than maybe what a lot of other brands have done, but they didn't realize how, when they continued to add products, how that affected that to their new users. Right. So as they, they added these new products and everybody that was already using their product was like, Oh, this is great. But the people that weren't there already, they start, they're starting to scratch. Yeah. Like, like, why, why? What happened? I don't, I don't get it. So um, at that point, you're just doubling down on your current customer base and not thinking about the potential people that have never tried it before. Bingo. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's always things to learn and stuff like that. But I, I appreciate that comment. I, I am, I'm, it's hard to put into words how, how that feels to see those things play out, you know, and, and I think some of those people that struggle, like you say, it, they're, I'm not saying they're doing it for the money because everybody does what they do for paycheck. Um, But they don't have the same passion or the values that we might have and be able to connect the dots. You know, they're already making a good product. They just haven't connected the dots or figured out where, how do we communicate that to our customers so that they get that result. And then they're like, this is the best. Um, No pun intended, but they're just missing an ingredient. Yeah, <laughs> whether yeah. it be on yeah, the yeah. product side or the other side of that either way there, there's an ingredient missing that's leaving the that, gap that's a good point yeah no i, I would say you're right so um, so yeah we're cool. blessed man we're we're yeah. we're having fun too that's what i like so yeah and i've always you know with, with you I've, I've always had respect always you know with our passing in the industry and you know me working with buff and john you work for lake country and we've always had a great friendship and most people who show up to shows have probably seen us walking the floor together, you know, catching up, having small talk, you know, cause we have history together. So it's one of those things that have, you've always been a straight shooter with me. I've always been a straight shooter with you. And I think that's what helped 
you know, with the relationship side of the, regardless of the brands that we work for to say. Yeah. I mean, even, even going a, a step further, you know, cause not just Buff and Shiny, you've, you've worked with other brands before. And I think that that turns over in other brands, right? So you can work with more than one brand Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, just because people, people feel that way about you um, and they feel highly about you. And that's, it's kind of how we've made the gloss university work, you know, the gloss yep. university training classes it has nothing to do with Oberk. It's not, it's not Oberk. Like if you look at the, we use Oberk, you know, cause we, yeah. we like it, but in other classes we've used um, Maguire's um, along with Oberk, this upcoming class that we have at um, Menard premium auto detailing is uh, sponsored by Sonax and CarPro. So we'll be using some CarPro. They have their new ultra cut. Um, we've got Sonax has got a, a wide range of products too. I mean, we're not just using compounds and polishes. We're using their, their other lineup as well, but we're not going to, we're not going to display promote or share sponsorship with brands that we don't support or that we don't think are high quality. Um, so it's an easy way for us to, to share what we like and, and not make it a, a big deal, but yeah, not brand driven as much. And that's the thing. It's, it's driven by education and knowledge. For that, right? Yeah. We're not going to tell you thing, something's good or bad. Everything else is tools. Yeah. Whether it be liquids, polishers, pads, literally, that's that's the tools that are used to make the end result happen. But the process, that's that's key. Yeah, yeah. Most of the stuff, most of the products that we that we offer, you know, we're not going to show your product and say this is the best or this is the worst. We're just simply not going to show you bad products. Um, there's certain there's certain key products that are that will we'll share in every single class because we think it's that valuable um, to the student. And, and sometimes those things will change. So there might be some brands that get some value out of that, but overall um, we're committed to just sharing great products, supporting great brands that, that continue to um, evolve as our industry evolves, support our industry, you know, all those different things. Um, we we want to be a part of that. Plus, um, Gloss University is just so much bigger than a brand. It's and it's it's a lot bigger than people too. You know, that's the that's the biggest thing. That's awesome. Yeah, so, so we've got we do the same thing, just like you. With it's coming up on time and everything, and your story, yeah, great story, and people being able to hear it and listen about you know the journey that you've had in the industry and for yourself. But is there any last words of advice that you could put out there, whether it be somebody wanting to get into positions that we played or just being a detailer or anything like that, that you could throw out to help? Um, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I would say always, always listen. Um, listening is the number one thing. It's been the number one thing that's made me, um, get to where I'm at. Uh, remember that as you, your knowledge grows um, because it's, it becomes harder and harder to listen and it becomes more and more about talking. And I think um, it's something that I try to be self-aware of at all times because I just think it's genuine human nature. Um, Sometimes it's just easy to talk and then not necessarily listen. Um, I think I'm I'm super guilty of it. I think we all are. Oh yeah. Um, We want to share, um, not, not from arrogance, but we want to share just as much as we want to learn. Um, but you start to get to a certain level. And 
Um, sometimes you miss very, very valuable things that can help you grow as a person. Um, and, and usually that, that all comes down from respect, right? So like listening is based on respect. You usually listen to people that you respect a little bit more. And if you just keep your mind open and you respect every person that you come across and you just might not understand where their value lies or why they're special, because you don't necessarily see that on the cover of the book, um, that they are special. And that if you just listen, you're most likely going to get, get something to take away. Cause I've learned some stuff from people that most people would write off, you know, so show respect, listen, and, uh, continue to continue to make those things priorities as you, as you grow in the industry. That's, that's great advice. And similar to what somebody told me in my way younger years coming out of my teens, they said, basically you have two ears and one mouth. So you can listen twice as much as you speak. <laughs> I, there's, there's too many times where, you know, even, even recently where, you know, you just walk away and you said, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should have just not talked as much. And, um, but as long as you're aware of that, you know, you're going to continue to make mistakes and just being aware and trying to correct it. But yeah. that's huge. Well, thank you, Dave. And Dude, how thanks. would they reach out to you or O'Burke? What are some plugs that people, uh, some avenues of contacting you guys or you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you can reach me. I, I kind of manage all the email stuff. So I haven't plugged my own email because I don't want to manage multiples. So I am, um, you can contact me at info at Um, You can check out our website, obviously, oberkarcare.com. Um, we're found on Instagram and Facebook the same way and YouTube, Oberk Car Care. And um, we're around, we're, we're all over. Shoot us a, an instant message, shoot me an email um, if we can help in any way or, or you got any questions. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you. Thank you for your time. And again, Thank everybody for watching or listening. Uh, again, this is Reflection Artist Live number 30. Uh, so again, thank everybody at O'Burke and Dave. And we look forward to hopefully having you on some future podcasts as well and or just actually seeing you in a what, week and a half now at yeah. this point for Southern Detailers Conference. So we hope to see a lot of detailers there because there's definitely a lot of vendors. So we want to make sure that we override vendors with detailers at this yeah. point. So, but cool. Well, I look forward to seeing you, Dave. Thanks again. And everybody at home, have a great day. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Awesome. Take care, man. You too. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.